something curious about this broadcast. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. DGB nominal, where the universe is a figment of its own imagination. All systems remain nominal, nominal, nominal. Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. As always, it wouldn't be the same without John Berger, so I'll bring him into the show. Where are you, John? I'm here and I am ready to... If 2016 was a human, just put me in a room with it and all that will be left will be me and a pasty thin red film all over the walls. Uh, what a ridiculous year. It's been strange this year. It certainly has. I, th- I think we've had our share of uh, people leaving this realm, I think. Well, I mean, even personally, since the last show, a dear friend of mine who I've known for over 30 years, she died. And so it was just like, really? You had to end on this note? you know, And, and then just from general <laughs> uh, i mean as an american i am embarrassed by the last election the two candidates we were given 350 million people in this country and those two bozos were the best that we could come up with really you know and then all this all the stuff going on in syria and turkey and uh, this has just been a just such an awful year yeah, then the business with the, the, the truck in, in Berlin recently. Oh, yeah, Berlin. It's just like, oh. Not to mention and, you know, Brexit. I, I, those of you who are listening to this, yeah, please don't be that guy and, and be like, well, a year is just an artificial construct that humans have devised in order to measure. I don't care. Okay, at this point, I think everybody now needs just a mental reboot mm-hmm. and just hope that we can start 2017 off a little bit less rough than we did 2016. It's just, well, I I can't wait to get this year behind us. How was your Christmas, though? Was that at least good? It was quiet, actually. It was uh, nice and peaceful. I met up with my folks um, a few days before Christmas, and we all went out for dinner and um, exchanged presents and, and things. And then Christmas Eve... I met up with uh, my other half's parents and we exchanged gifts and stuff and then we went to the church for the crib service and listened to the kids um, singing Christmas carols. That's cool. Any good sci-fi stuff? Yes and no. I've got some weird sci-fi stuff. I've got some pens that look like lightsabers. That was a a weird one. I've got a a red and a blue one so I can kind of... (laughs) (laughs) I got toothbrushes in the shape of lightsabers. I mean, come on. (laughs) I got a, a Kylo Ren 3D mug, which was weird. It, 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 um, Wait, you don't want to drink out of his head? Well, what it, what it is, it's a, it's, it's a standard mug, but when you turn it, his head moves and it looks at you. And um, this is freaky. Yeah, that's awkward. <laughs> that's awkward, but that's probably why you got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, my wife got me the 50th anniversary Blu-ray collection for Star Trek, which is all of the original episodes, Mm -hmm. all of the animated episodes, and all of the movies on Blu-ray, which I already had the movies, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have the original series or the animated series. 
So that was very cool. And for those of you fellow Firefly fans, she also got me a Jane's hat. And I wore it all day, and I loved it. Wow. <laughs> I've got a couple of things on order for Star Wars, because usually when a movie comes out, they have the Visual Dictionary and mm-hmm. the Incredible Cross-Sections books that come out. Mm-hmm. Well, for Rogue One, they've decided to make the ultimate Visual Dictionary, which combines both books into one. Oh, nice. So that's something I've got on order, because it's not available as of yet. I've got them all apart from uh, Attack of the Clones. That's the only one I haven't got. But I like all those those kind of books where you can see inside the craft and all that kind of thing. And uh, Yeah, those are cool. And it's also good as reference if you want to try and make your own costumes and stuff. You can just look in. Ah, yes. <laughs> I've actually been considering that. I've seen one uh, recently. It's just, it, it looks like a massive, great big... Um, I, I don't know what uh, if you have it in the states. Airfix kit, like a, a model kit that you click together. But it's a stormtrooper outfit, and it's all still in the plastic frame. You've got to cut it out of the plastic frame, <laughs> full size. Wow, that um, sounds weird. And it's about six hundred dollars. Yike! You can get just a regular stormtrooper outfit for not much more than that. But uh, yeah, it's about six hundred plus shipping if it was over here. But um, huh. it, it looks quite good. I I haven't seen one close up, so I I can't... (laughs) Right. Well, it can probably be painted or modded. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I think people are getting to the point that they think I'm an alcoholic because I've got quite a lot of alcohol this Christmas. (laughs) The year hasn't been that rough, has it? (laughs) No. It's just that people go, oh, we don't know what to get him. Oh, he likes Jack Daniels. We'll get him some of that. Yeah, it gets to that point because I can't sort of say to people, well, I I want one of these things and it's quite technical and they have no idea what I'm talking about. So they normally (laughs) just say, here's the money, get it yourself. Exactly. I've got no stigma against gift cards. Go for it. Best Buy, Amazon, whatever. I'm good. Steam, yes, for my PC gaming and all that. Mm-hmm. And people say, oh, what did you get for Christmas? And I went, well, money. <laughs> <laughs> Weird and wonderful little uh, novelty stuff as well. You always get the little novelty Oh, gifts. yeah. Well, you can appreciate this one, uh, seeing as how this is native to your country. But uh, my wife knows me very well. She knows my addictions. And she, I know Amazon sells them because I buy them every now and then. But she bought me like a 16-pack of Round Trees Fruit Gums, (laughs) which I just wipe out. I love those things. I guess we should start as we mean to go on, really. And there's one main thing that we want to talk about to start the show. Um, And it's... I don't think there's anybody that doesn't know about this, whether you're into Star Wars or not. Uh, It was a very terrible piece of news that we had over the last few days. Basically, we've we've lost our princess, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher, this is we're talking about. Um, And, I mean, there's been some conflicting stories about... what actually happened we know that uh, she had a, a massive heart attack on a, on a plane uh, in between London and LA I think and there was stories to say that she was stable and then there was other stories to say that she was on a, a ventilator pretty much as soon as she, she went into hospital yeah uh, and then as we record this um, yesterday, we actually lost her. 
it is diff- still difficult to take in. The first time I actually heard the news was through a post that you actually put up on Facebook, John, and um, I wasn't ready to believe it then. I don't, I don't know why it is, but it, it for me, it, it doesn't actually sink in until we get the word from the BBC. And it was like minutes later I got alerted by the BBC app that it had actually happened, and then it just hit me. Um, I mean, I know I've, I've, I've never actually met Carrie, but I think in a way we all feel like we know her personally. I think the entire Star Wars family felt something um, for Carrie. Go ahead. You can make the joke about the disturbance in the forest. There, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, which there was. Um <sighs> yeah, well, I mean, from the reports that I saw said that she wasn't breathing for something like 10 minutes. Uh, that was while, while they, she was on the plane, wasn't when it? When she was on the plane. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that's more than enough time for oxygen deprivation of the brain. So she might have been in stable condition physically, but if, the, if there was damage to the brain that was already there, you know, there, there's not much else to do. I mean, she was lucky in many respects at that point that she had some good medical staff actually on the plane. I mean, I I know that cabin crew are actually trained in different things and they do have, like, defibrillators and and whatnot on on board. But she did have some uh, medical personnel that was actually on the flight. And to me, that's probably one of the scariest things that could probably happen to you is is something happened to you in in midair. Because you are limited to the the kind of expertise that you 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 would need. You know, we've all been praying and everything for for Carrie over the last two or three days, and um, it just doesn't seem real. And the problem is, it's just going to get worse because we're at that age now where the people that we grew up with, yeah, they're now reaching, you know those years as well mm-hmm. and I think for people like you and me it's just gonna get a lot worse before it gets better yeah uh, the, the what they call the the, the baby boom generation isn't it yeah not, not trying to be a Debbie Downer it just this reality mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you're just trying to hang on to that childhood for a little bit longer and it's, it's proving more difficult by the day you know let, let's be honest though would she really want us to be mourning like that? No, I don't think she because would. She was, she, she was funny. Did she you... was funny. If you've seen any of the interviews of her with like Colin Ferguson or that one from uh, Good Morning America last year, oh, that was she hilarious. is funny. Um, you've only got to look at some of the panel things she did at Star Wars Celebration. It was, it was just hilarious. Well, you know, another reason why I think she resonates, and, and this is where she resonates with girls more than guys, she was one of the first princesses, if not the first, where she didn't need to be rescued. No, she, she didn't. She could handle herself wonderfully. <laughs> in many respects, she rescued them because... She rescued them. So, all right, they ended up in the garbage compactor thing, but she was the only one who had a plan and was like, let's yeah. get out of here. Well, and, and of all of her quips, it's like someone has to save our skin. Yeah. And she grabs the gun and just the whole, you came in that thing? You're braver than I thought. Will I some- still chuckle at that line. <laughs> Will someone get this walking carpet out of my way? Yeah. 
she she was she was a princess who didn't need a guy to rescue her. Maybe help her, you know, get her out get her out of the cell, and then after that, it's it's, it's all her. I saw a scene today from The Force Awakens that was cut out, and people are saying it really should be put back in because there's a bit where she's talking to one of her officers. We need to go see the Senate right away. Tell them I insist the Republic take action against the First Order. No respect. Will the Republic listen? Not all the senators think I'm insane. Or maybe they do. <laughs> Which is typical nice. layer. Yeah, it's like I don't care, just do it. <laughs> the next thing is, do you think they'll have to um, maybe do some rewrites and a couple of maybe some reshoots or something to end episode eight so that they can? Uh, probably because from the reports that I've been seeing, she had an even more prominent role in episode eight. I'm sure that uh, there was an expectation that she was going to be around to do episode nine. Who knows what they're going to do now? Yeah, I just hope that whatever they choose to do, that she gets a good send off in the movie. That's that's all I hope. Um, now, friend of the show, Carl from the Pancast Productions Network. He was very cut up, like the rest of us were. We were severely cut up, and he he needed somehow to let out his feelings. Um, and so he took to his or their uh, YouTube channel, and he recorded his own little tribute to Carrie. And um, I asked him if I could play it into the show, and he said, "Yeah, sure. Just just mention our." YouTube channel. I'll actually put a link in the show notes to it. And I think he actually describes really well how we are all feeling right now. So I'm just going to play this in. Hey, not quite sure what I'm trying to accomplish with this video. Um, everybody knows the news. I just wanted to have a couple of minutes to basically say what Carrie Fisher meant for me and meant for my life. It's weird with all the people, all the celebrities that have died in, in 2016 and they're all people from, that are like legends and heroes of all of our childhoods. When Carrie Fisher was, uh, you know, when, when she was taken ill, everybody, I think, was saying, you know, anybody that's in my position where they're a massive Star Wars fan, were hoping that... Uh, it wasn't as bad. It didn't seem to sound as bad as it was. It, it was, but this evening we've had the news, the sad news that um, that she passed away, and I didn't think it would affect me as much as it did. So much so that that my other passion, uh, Liverpool Football Club, were on TV, and I immediately turned it over and started watching Empire Strikes Back. It's, it's such a strange feeling, uh, and I know. To anybody that doesn't like Star Wars, or anybody that thinks that you know it's a nerd thing, and I am, I'm probably. If you look at me, I am the poster boy for that mid forties beard, fat kind of nerd that is a typical Star Wars fan. Have Star Wars all around me, um, and that kind of image, if you like, is laughed off and thought of as just look typical middle aged guy that hasn't grown up. Um, but I didn't think it would affect me this way, and I didn't think with somebody that I've never met, um, somebody that I've never spoken to. I mean, thankfully, I've, I saw her at Star Wars Celebration with Neil uh, in the summer, 
um, and it was the best, for me, it was the best part of the, the whole celebration. She was fantastic on stage. But right back to 1977, when I was eight years old, um, in my mind's eye, she was the first woman that I can remember seeing that I thought was beautiful in the original Star Wars. Um, and then my feelings changed a little bit for Return of the Jedi because I was that age that she was the first woman that I saw in a in a sexy way. Um, it feels like a member of your family has died. I don't know if that's overdramatic, I don't know. But it does feel to me like a member of my family has died. And maybe I shouldn't be doing a video straight away. I should let it compute a little bit. Um, but I just wanted to say, I'm paraphrasing somebody else that has said this on Facebook, that, that she was the only princess that I ever really cared about. You know, I still thought she looked fantastic in The Force Awakens. Um, I wish I maybe should have forked out money to have met her in the summer and had a photo with her. But there you go. You don't know, do you? That's all I wanted to do. I just don't know whether it's gonna. It's a selfish reason. It makes makes me feel a little bit better. Um, but to be to be fair, I feel like tonight, as I'm sure millions of Star Wars fans all over the world will feel feel the same way, and just millions of fans of because Carrie Fisher was more than Princess Leia. She wasn't just Princess Leia. I mean, you know, the way that she didn't give about anything. She was outspoken. She didn't care about etiquette on chat shows or on on red carpets or she was just herself and um and that's what you gotta love about her you know i'm sure that the the moniker of being princess leia for all her life was something that she just lived with but she had to live with things like that with being and the daughter of debbie reynolds you know all her life and having to deal with all things like that and all the other demons that she had in her life what I loved was the fact that, um, you know, like Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill, that they they embraced it in the end. And she seemed to be having loads of fun working on episode seven and probably had loads of fun working on episode eight, um, which obviously we'll see. But no, this is just a little tribute to say thank you very much for all the memories of my youth and even the youth that I'm having today. Um, I don't really know what else to say. I just wanted to say a couple of words. So, uh, rest in peace, Carrie. May the force be with you always. Yeah, I mean, I think. How do you end a segment like that? I think all you can yeah. do is just, like Carl said, Carrie, may the force be with you always. And uh, when we come back, um, let's talk Rogue One. I've thought about it a lot. Why does Britain create so many great filmmakers and actors? What is it about Britain that seems to generate these people? It's pretty phenomenal, the influence we've had on, on like, global culture. We really punch above our weight. When we were making Rogue One, I sort of half-jokingly but half-meaning it said to the producers, well, wait, let's just shoot in Canary Wharf. There's all the guys in the suits, you know, coming home from work, and we're not allowed to tell anyone, it's really secretive, and we're thinking, okay, we're gonna film Star Wars, and then we had hidden Stormtrooper outfits and stuff, and we go in, 
and within an hour turned it into the Empire. I went up to one of the art directors and was like, how did you, this was so good, like, how did you do this so quick? And he said, oh, we came in last night and we did a practice run. Like the extra mile that the crew would always go to, it's kind of like a military operation. The great thing about British crews is they've been doing this, you know, for generations and, and they've all inherited off the previous one all these little tricks of the trade. We had an assistant director on the film whose dad worked on the original New Hope and his job on that was to direct the X-Wing pilots for the, for the battle sequence. And his son on our film had exactly the same job. It was really weird. That felt really appropriate. The great thing is on set is no one says no. And you'd say to them, like, you can say no, you know, you, is, is this a problem? And they'd say, no, we don't, we don't do that. Like, they, they sort of pride themselves on giving you everything you want. There's something magical about Great Britain. There's so many great examples of British filmmakers, people like Hitchcock and David Lean. And it's funny, because even people, like, from outside of the UK, like Kubrick, he ended up making Britain his home because, you know, the crews were so good. I'm Gareth Edwards, director of Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and I'm very proud to say it was made great in Britain. Ladies and gentlemen, you know it, you love it, you can't live without it. This is TGP Normal. Nominal, damn! So, John, Rogue One. <laughs> what can Rogue I say? One. <laughs> I mean, I know you would have seen it in, in 3D. Uh, of course. I know, I know how you are on these things, but I, I wasn't that impressed with the 3D in this compared with um, The Force Awakens, but there were some, some yeah. great bits, mainly on the, the fighting scenes on the beach. There were some great bits in 3D on there. Well, I mean, really, the, this is going to sound kind of crazy. The best 3D is the kind where you don't know it's there. Uh-huh. And it just becomes part of the whole setting. Yeah. You know, things look like they're in the distance, and that's fine. It, it's when the stuff is intentionally brought forward to the screen that it just makes it feel like a little bit on the cheesy side. With Force Awakens, it worked great in stuff like um, the final battle where the snow was falling. That was really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, they also had it where, like, some of the people who were in the foreground with your, with like uh, the one scene where Leia's talking to Han Solo, and she's facing the camera, his back is kind of towards it. Well, they pulled him out of the frame a little bit just to add that little bit of, of depth to it. Those are nice little effects. It's the kind where things are blatantly thrown out at the screen to say hey look 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 i'm in 3d those are the kind <laughs> where you just got to say really but it's things like when you've got the explosions in the sand and you've got oh. deb debris just flying about everywhere that's the kind that, of thing that oh my it's God. made that for. third act that third act was it's phenomenal I, I, the whole the whole thing was just worth it for the third act i i think it played out well the whole thing together played out well as i say it was a thing of three parts you had an introduction you had um the lead up and then the final segment but each part was different in its own right mm -hmm. 
and I thought that was great. And there was a few things going on that I think I was more of a geek than some of the other people that may have been oh, in the audience oh. that day. That movie had so much fan service to it. The little bits thrown in here and there that say, yeah, we're, we're continuous with the original. The first thing that made me cheer and everyone looked around at me was when I saw the blue milk. The blue milk the guy who was like you just watch yourself it's yeah like, oh yeah. no are you serious that is so cool dr Asavan, yeah he's and uh what was the other guy ponda baba yeah uh, I just, <laughs> just a little bits in there and even the, the the attention to detail like i remember reading this where gareth edwards said that the people who are going to be the x-wing pilots had to grow their mustaches in old style cheesy 1970s <laughs> I, I did, format. I did notice that it wasn't yes. so much in the scenes where you saw the pilots. It was more when they were all standing around in the base, going, "Right, what are we going to do?" This kind yeah. of thing. And I thought these guys look like 70s porn stars. It was yep, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> they got the porn stashes on. So, you know, but that—that's the level of detail that he went into, and then just the way that they explained. How Luke became Red Five. Yeah, you know, just that little five-second segment there, and the the one thing that he also did was he went back to the Lucasfilm archives and he actually used unused footage from the original movie that was in their archives, right? And he put them into this movie. Wow! Just to try to keep that continuity going, and that's how well it gelled together. So you you couldn't see the seams. They <laughs> it was. Just oh, no. amazing. He, he did a I, phenomenal job. I was actually getting emotional. I was getting very, very emotional because of the fact that I was like, I am back in 77. Right now I am in 77, and it was just amazing to see. Yeah. I mean, you didn't feel it too much in Acts 1 and 2 because, well, they didn't really involve the Rebellion so much at that point. I really enjoyed it. Um, I still think I could watch, you know, the original Star Wars or Empire Strikes Back more. I want right. to watch them back to back now. I, I, I want to watch Rogue One with uh, No Hope back to back. I want to see yeah. them together. It would be so cool. Yeah, and, and I will say that I think they did a great job explaining that thermal exhaust port. Yeah, so no one's actually uh, having to go at anybody anymore because it was like, oh, it was some of those. It were was funny, though. It was intentional. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of those memes were funny. That, that all came from that thing. You but know. The, the thing that doesn't ring true with me now is knowing full well that um, it was built that way to basically get one over the Empire for killing his wife and uh, getting his daughter in exile. Right. Uh, oh, and obviously, uh, listeners, we don't care about spoilers here. I think okay, every, everybody's that seen that by now. They must yeah. have. But the thing is... Why build the second Death Star with a bigger trench, with bigger exhaust port and everything else, knowing full well that that was a design flaw? Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> the story for Rogue One I thought was was really good. I thought it was well-placed. I enjoyed the characters. You know, it would have been nice if they kind of expanded a little bit on some of them. I'd like to know the backstory to some of those, especially the blind guy. Yeah, he was really and good. As much as I loved, uh, what is it, K2SO. Oh, he was fantastic. As, he was great. I'm sorry, but that, that one line from the blind guy when they were taking him off, mm -hmm. just that one line from him was probably the best line in the movie. You know, that they're putting the hood over him. I just like, that was just so good. I'm blind. <laughs> it's yeah. It's like, 
it's like, uh, you know, are you serious? I'm blind. It's like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that, got, that one got a lot of chuckles. It was also the other one when um, Jen was trying to run away when, when they busted into the uh, vehicle that they were in and she yeah. runs out the door of it and... Uh, uh, he he just knocked her to the ground, and he said, "You know, pretty much consider yourself rescued." You know, it was like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was definitely definitely had some good one-liners. Like I said, some of those characters, I'd love to know more about them. And but really, I mean, it's a war movie. That that's what it's not a sci-fi movie. It is a war movie. Yeah, definitely. And you sometimes just don't have time to be able to do all that. I wouldn't be surprised if, like on you know Star Wars Rebels or something like that, they'll, um, they'll use one of the. There is crossovers already, since the start of the uh, Star Wars Rebels. Fans have, have been wondering about this, and Rogue One did not disappoint. For, oh no, 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 not at all. First up, the the main spaceship in um, Rebels, the Ghost, mm-hmm. actually featured in the movie. The ghost it appears about three or four shots actually around the um, the rooms of, of Scarif, and then in on Yavin Four in in the, the Rebel base, uh, there's a, a page for uh, General Sindula, who is Hera. Hera mm-hmm. Sindula was one of the characters in Rebels, but in Rebels she's only a captain, she's not a general. So obviously, <laughs> she's been promoted at some stage. And right. So people are now going, oh. When did she get promoted? What's going on here? <laughs> you know, so there's obviously going to be some follow-up to this in there because um, Rebels is actually set three years before Rogue One. So there's going to be some lead up to Rogue One. Chopper, their um, droid on board the Ghost, he's actually in the, on the Yarvin base as well. So you actually saw him there. And also you've got the, the Hammerhead cruisers. Yep. The ones that actually smashed into the side of the Star Destroyers. That was so cool. And pushed it down. That was awesome. Now, in Rebels, they actually stole those from the Empire. Oh, nice. Um, so it was kind of a come around that they've stolen them from the Empire and are using them to destroy Imperial ships. And y- any of you who are still complaining about spoilers, well, number one, why are you still listening when you knew we were going to talk about this stuff? <laughs> but really the spectacle of it makes up for anything that you might consider to be a spoiler trust me the, there's just a visual impact <laughs> no no pun intended about those ships <laughs> is just uh it's just it's amazing you could ru- you could ruin the whole movie for people and still just look at it and be like whoa that <laughs> is so cool well, let's think about what is there to spoil the movie ends just a matter of hours before the original one begins we know what happens yeah it's just a matter of how does it how happen? did it happen yeah and also you, you had to have 3po and r2 they had to be in the movie somewhere oh yeah they had to make a little bit of a cameo there well speaking of which let's go on to some of the things that might not be so wonderful about rogue one well no let's before we do that darth vader was amazing oh wasn't he just first first appearance was okay but the, the final sequence, oh, my God. You knew that he was a bad guy there. In all the other movies, he might force choke someone or, you know, that sort of thing. Of course, you know, fighting with Luke and blah, 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 cutting his hand off. You still don't get an indication of how evil he is. Mm-hmm. Really, you, in, in any of the movies, you never really get an indication of how evil he is or ruthless anyway. I mean, it Until was just that moment. The, it was 
black, uh, just completely oh black, and then he ignited his lightsaber. And it was just yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> and just wasted those guys. Uh, my, my pulse at that wow. point was racing, absolutely racing. <laughs> that was amazing. But, okay, so let's talk about some of the things that were not so amazing. Uh, I think there's one particular standout, and really this was the only thing with the with the movie that I was just kind of like, uh, really? And that would be Grand Moff Tarkin. Not against him being there. I think he had to be there. Yeah, definitely he didn't, had to be there. He didn't just suddenly take command of the Death Star between, you know, Rogue One and, and the original movie. I refuse to call it A New Hope. But the way they implemented it, the illusion was broken for me. They didn't do it well enough. And, and I think the problem is that, uh, for those of you who don't know, he was all CGI. They, they actually brought him back through CGI. And in one hand, it's like, well, why, why did it not work? Because when you go back to Ant-Man, when they made a, a younger Michael Douglas, I looked. I looked really closely, and I could not see any flaws in the way they did that. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was perfect. You know, but again, they probably used him to do the CGI, you know, put the um, motion, you know, the facial capture yeah, equipment yeah, on, on Michael done. Douglas yeah. and then just made him younger. Well, obviously, Peter Cushing is no longer with us. Oh, he died in 94, I believe. Yeah, so they obviously couldn't do anything with him. The problem is Peter Cushing was very gaunt. Mm-hmm. His face was very thin. His cheekbones were still very pronounced. Uh, in, in some ways, he kind of looked like a skull with skin on him. Um, one but, of the things is, uh, I think they overdid it with things like the, um, or what do you call them, sunspots and things, because he actually looked older than he did in Star Wars, I thought. Maybe, I didn't take notice. For, for me, it was just because they couldn't, the, the actor that they brought on, was he just didn't have the same facial structure. Because I've seen photos of him, mm-hmm. and it's close, but he still doesn't have the same facial structure. So for me, the animation just wasn't there. And, and every time he would talk, the illusion would break. I understood that he needed to be there. His character needed to be there. But it just, they didn't get it. And that just bothered me. In fact, I remember tweeting on Facebook without giving any spoilers, like, you know, one uh, CGI-dependent character was the only flaw, and immediately... A friend of mine sent me a private message on Facebook and said, so the CGI Tarkin bothered you too, huh? He knew what I was talking about. I mean, the, the, his presence was right. His presence yes. that he came across is, as a really backstabbing uh-huh. so-and-so. Even the uh, voice. I think they got the voice well enough, too. Oh, yeah, very well. But it was just the facial animation. I was just like, his face is too fat, and it's not working. And the, the, what, there's one thing that I, I did notice... And somebody's picked up on this. If you go to the scene in Star Wars where you've got all the generals and, and moths and whatever around that table uh-huh. discussing it. Spickering is pointless. Yes. Your your, your Jedi ways of, of not uh, yeah. giving your us the location ways. of the data tapes. Yeah. Right. Um, there's two chairs empty. One of them, I think, would have been Krennic's. Oh. And the other one, I think, may have been Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh my God, that would. Oh. Don't do that to me. <laughs> Th- 
Thrawn would... Oh, my God. I want Thrawn movies so badly. But you see that now they've started bringing him in as a big character in Rebels, <laughs> there is a chance that he may make it into a movie. Maybe. I mean, just the fact that they said that, okay, we no longer... The expanded universe, as you know, it is no longer canon. That doesn't mean they can't bring aspects of it back in. Obviously, they're bringing Thrawn in. But, oh, my God, give me a Timothy Zahn trilogy movie set. Oh, just bring back Heir to the Empire as a, a movie trilogy. Mm, <laughs> that would be fantastic. That would be so amazing. And, and one of the one of the things I did have in Rogue One, which they've been talking about for a long time, because well, Ralph McQuarrie did pictures of it, was Darth Vader's castle. Yes, which we saw for the first time. That was time. cool. And I thought that was really stupid of Krennic to run off and complain about yeah. Moff Tarkin. And you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, tell, 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 tell. You know, it's like that, that seemed like a cheap excuse to introduce Darth Vader but did you notice the landscape that it was actually set on well yeah it's it's um it's Mustafa oh, yeah yeah it's the lava planet where he got all of where, his what what a yeah. what a, a kick in the balls basically to him to say right there's your castle in the place that you were mutilated fantastic <laughs> Part of me thinks that was intentional, mm -hmm. because when you think about it, that's where Anakin died, but Vader was born. Yeah, I guess. So yeah. in a way, that's his birthplace. It's, it's possible see that... See him in that big Bacta tank. It's like, wow. I, I that, that, think ugh. that this may be brought back, episode eight. Just the it castle. It might be a place of useful knowledge or something for either Luke or Kylo Ren. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Or it could be where Snoke is. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. I've been thinking on that. <laughs> huh. That would be kind of cool, actually. Mm, definitely. But yeah, I mean, that, that whole scene it was good. It was cool to see Vader, but it's just like, why is this scene here? You know, it's like, and, he, and Vader actually gave off a, a cheesy pun. I was like, what? I mean, I get it. That's fine, but just like, wow, that's that that whole scene was just awkward, and it, it just felt like an excuse to throw Vader in. Frankly, I think that to have not seen Vader would have made the final sequence that much more terrifying. I think you might be right there, but we've been we have been thinking about Vader being in a Bacta tank, though. We have been thinking about that ever since we see seen him in the the meditation chambers. Yeah. But when you think about it, you figure Rogue One takes place right before the original movie. And so then uh, Revenge of the Sith takes place, what, 20 years before the original movie? Or something uh, like that? Yeah, about 19, 20 years, yeah. So he's needed a back to tank for 20 years? Well, you think about Ow. it. He's, he's, <laughs> he's messed up big time. Well, he's messed up, but it's just like, wow, to be that messed up for 20 years, that's... That was that was kind of a painful reminder of of what he had to go through. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's boy. You think about it, his entire respiratory system is completely shot to pieces. Yeah. Uh, hence why he can't survive without the, the suits on. But so many things that they've they've joined together. I mean, actually sending out to to find Obi Wan. Uh, and, and he says, you know, um, who are you going to send out for this? And it's somebody I trust with my life. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Smith's coming back and, and redoing his role. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. 
that was that was brilliant. Yeah, just so so much fan service, and as far as I'm concerned, that was a great link, you know, for for right into the original movie and, and explaining the vulnerability in the Death Star. I think they did a, a really good job. For me, it was really just just Tarkin, mm. and I'm sorry, but 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 Leia's even though hers was only a few seconds at the end, it was the same thing. I yeah, just the mouth, the face and the was mouth like, that movements, CGI is not good. Yeah, the mouth movements weren't right. Yeah. Yeah. And and the other thing that surprised me more than anything was the accuracy of the Death Star in this one. Uh, oh. Before it was, yeah, we know you can blow a planet with it, but yeah. that, that could actually target in on a specific city. Yeah. Just use one reactor. I was like, oh, that's clever. Yeah. It's only giving it partial power. That makes sense. And actually seeing it from the other perspective, the, the way that everything impacts on itself as it's coming towards you, and it's like, yeah. ooh, this is serious. Yeah, and, and the way that it would be, from what we consider it to be, upside down in a couple of scenes, mm -hmm. it's like, well, actually, that's that makes sense because there really is no up or down in space. That's true. So um, yeah, just those little touches. That was, that was really cool. It got to the bit where they're going through the data banks to try and find the password or uh -huh. the file for the, the data tapes, and they've got all these different names, and they're reeling out these names, and you're thinking, oh, right, that goes with this, and this goes with that. And so, well, what's the name of the file? And I actually said, it's going to be Stardust. Yeah. That was a plot line right there when he said, oh, yeah. giving her that nickname of Stardust. One of the files was Black Saber. Black Saber was actually a, what I think called a Dark Saber, which was a special kind of lightsaber which was developed by the Mandalorians. Nice. And were actually used in Rebels. I think it was in Clone Wars as well, the, the animated series. All these little Rebel things that are coming up and that you've got to now uh, <laughs> have more involvement with Rogue One and the, the movie canons. Uh, that's the best way of putting it. Right. And, uh, you know, all these stupid people that were out there going, well, how comes we haven't seen Shore Troopers and Death Troopers before? We know why. Because they don't exist anymore. Right. <laughs> they all pretty much got destroyed. I, I think that was one of the, the things that the fact that you couldn't really bring back any of the main characters again because where were they throughout the rest of the, the trilogy? So they had to do what they did and that hit home. That really hit home that you've got this ragtag <laughs> kind of group of people that wouldn't particularly meet each other in any other kind of situation Right, and they've gelled, and they're getting on as a team, and everything. And then that happens, and you're thinking, "Wow, you know, you, you haven't seen this in any of the other films where you're not going to see any of the, the the heroes again." No, but again, see, I kind of knew that was going to happen because, again, it's a war movie. Mm -hmm. You know, it, there, there was always this little teeny tiny shred of hope, and you know, not not trying to use that word I, or ironically at all. But uh, I, there was this little teeny tiny shred of, please let them get off the planet, maybe somehow. But it's just like, no. I knew deep down there's no way they could because war movies, that's what happens. Now, there is one interesting bit, though. I don't know if you've if you heard me mention this or, or if, if you've read this before. Supposedly, out of all of the cast of Rogue One, Hers is the only one where a sequel was mentioned in the contract. She has been optioned for another Star Wars movie. As Jen. Most likely. I can't imagine why they wouldn't. But that 
now that uh, that got all the conspiracy theorists going. Oh my God, she's Ray's mom. The timeline could fit, but it would have to be something. The only reason why I don't think that is because she was still a renegade. She was still getting in trouble and doing all that. So that means she would had to have actually had to have a kid. Obviously, uh, Ray was a couple of years old when she was dropped off on Jakku. Mm -hmm. So that would mean that Jin would actually have to have stopped being a rogue, basically, uh, you know, and a criminal for a couple of years for all of that to happen. But still, it's interesting that she's been optioned for another Star Wars movie. It would have to be flashback, obviously. Yeah, or that they could make her up to look a bit older so that... But then that would indicate that she got off the planet. Yeah. Which, Which that's not what happened. No. They didn't have Star Trek transporter technology. Because there's lots of bits in the trailer that wasn't actually in the movie, like the bit when they're on that bridge uh, platform at the end... Right, uh, the TIE fighter comes the TIE fighter, out and all that. That wasn't in there or any of that. There was quite a few bits, actually, that wasn't actually in the yeah, movie. They they do that all the time. I mean, that that's a decades-old thing. One of the, I remember from, uh, oh, what was it, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the trailer, because I worked at a movie theater at the time, the trailer had one scene where the, the one wagon gets hijacked and ends up being dumped into a nearby lake. Mm-hmm. That never showed up in the movie, but it was very prominent in the trailer. And trailers do that all the time. You know, they, they put the stuff out there, and then when they're finally putting the movie together and they're in the editing room, they're like, well, that doesn't really fit. We're just going to cut that one out. It happens. You know. Now, going back to the the blind guy, I can never remember his name. Was it something like Chur- Chur- Churret or something like that? Churret M- Mway or something? Yeah. And, and his minder, if you like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were offhandedly referred to as part of a force-believing religious group called the Guardians of the Will. Yep. And that is not something that's just been added for this movie. The Guardians of the Will actually refers back to the original draft mm-hmm. script for the movie of the original oh, so castle. Yeah. Originally when drafting the first movie in the early seventies, George Lucas planned to frame the events as a retelling from an ancient book called The Journal of the Wills Part One. Whoever the Wills are, we will never really know because they were dropped from the outline and pretty quickly forgotten. But now they can be recreated with a whole new you know whole yeah. new history and all that. They were actually mentioned also in the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, which is mentioned that Qui Gon Jinn learned how to become a force ghost mm-hmm. from the teachings of the shaman of the Wills. Oh, is that how? Because I know that they just said that you know I've, I've been able to learn how to speak to our friend Qui Gon. It's like oh okay, well that's that's kind of a out of nowhere. Mm. But this kind of joins all that together. So huh. the, these um, Guardians of the Wills, I think, could be an interesting individual standalone movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's at least, or maybe even a, yet another TV series. Because they could probably have a huge history on their own because, you know, they, they kind of are pseudo-Jedi. They're not full Jedi, but they still... You know, they believe in the, in the force, force and so forth. Yeah, I'm at one with the force, and the force is with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many people were upset by that one scene because you know, oh come on, just from him repeating that and so forth. Well, no. For all we know, he had some slight force powers that helped him to survive that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. almost like mind over matter. You know, when people yeah. are walking over broken glass and on hot sure. coals and all that kind of thing. It's a similar similar kind of thing and um, did you I don't know if you saw it 
to all the people that were moaning about the fact that there was no scroller at the beginning of this and somebody made one that just repeats that yeah. again and again and again. <laughs> I, I was thinking about not having it at the beginning of the movie and it didn't really bother me. No, um, and it was the, the weird thing for me that the fact you had the Star Wars music at the end, the proper Star Wars music, uh-huh. but you didn't have it at the beginning. You you had the new soundtrack, which wasn't John Williams, but I was going to come to that anyway about how did you think that the, the new style of soundtrack for this compared with what we're used to, how do you think that flowed? I mean, it worked fine from what I could tell. You know, you could, you could see where he used elements from all of the other movies. I mean, you had but, to in certain cases because we know yeah. you've you got Vader coming in. You need sure. to have Vader's theme. You know, it's that's how it works. Yeah, and it was. I mean, I didn't. I didn't mind it. It's kind of like The Force Awakens. The music was fine. Nothing really stood out. There was no sequence that made me go out of the theater thinking, "Wow, I got to get the soundtrack." I, I can't remember who the um, the composer is now, but he's he's done a lot of yeah. ma- major films, though. He has done some big films. So it's not as though it's his first time trying to do anything. No, and, and let's face it, just like Carrie Fisher, John Williams isn't going to be around forever, so someone's going to eventually be taking over all the Star Wars movies anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's just... No, he did, he, he did an okay job. I had no complaints there. You and I look at these movies differently, though. Yes, we are Star Wars fans, mm-hmm. and we can identify these little bits that, that link all these movies together and so forth. But at least you and I, we go to movies to enjoy them. Yeah. We don't get so anal about, oh, oh, that, 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 why, you know, that, that movie doesn't, it doesn't really have anything in the Star Wars canon. And why didn't they use this music from this movie? Whatever. We don't look for reasons to nitpick. We just sit there and enjoy it. And if something glaring stands out, fine, we'll mention it. But, you know, okay, so it had a different composer. It was still a Star Wars movie. You know, what does it matter who the composer was? Do you desire a place to get away? How about three? You truly belong here among the clouds on Bespin, the first stop on your Star Tours getaway package. Stay and play in the clouds and enjoy the spectacular Galaxy in the Skies fireworks pageant every single night. The fun continues on the forest moon of Endor, where you'll sleep under the stars with the lovable Ewoks in their charming tribal villages. Your third stop brings you to the peaceful world of Alderaan, where you can relax in a natural wonderland, recently voted safest planet in the galaxy by Hyperspace Traveler. This Star Tours getaway package is three times the fun in one, so ask your travel consultant to book yours today. This is TGP Nominal. From an article I've just been reading, actually, um, it looks like Saw Guerrera is going to be in the new episodes of Star Wars Rebels when it comes back in January. Yep. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, they had this all planned out. <laughs> they had this all planned out for a long time. And apparently a new job listing on uh, the Lucasfilm recruiting website is going to get people speculating right now. Now, you know you were saying a spin-off television series. Uh-huh. 
let me see what it actually says here. The Lucasfilm and ILM family is looking for a new storyboard artist to work on an episodic TV series. The post from Lucasfilm Animation could be the next indication that another new Star Wars animated series is being developed by the company. While some fans will be disappointed that it's not a job listing for a live action series, the animated machine is well oiled and there has been able to tell stories that a live action show wouldn't be able to, to do. Sure. Well, and there was also another thing. It was uh, filed with, I guess, what is the European Copyright Office or whatever, what, whatever that is, hmm. um, that apparently a new Star Wars title has been filed there called Forces of Nature. Now, no one knows what that is. Some people were speculating that that's going to be the name of the eighth movie. And I'm just like, uh, no, no, that just... That title for the next, you know, for episode eight, Drips of Bad Cheese. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe that's maybe that's going to be one of the new uh, a new animated series. Well, no, that, who knows? That, that could actually ring in true, actually, because w- what we were talking about with these, you know, the guardians of the world, uh-huh. forces of nature. Uh-huh. It seems that I am one with the force and the force is with me. It kind yeah. of, it could be about that. It could. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> if we're right about this, I'll be very surprised, but it will be fantastic if we are. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, you know, the, like you said, forces of nature, they're, they're trying to be one. The only thing that makes it kind of seem more like they're trying to lay a trap out there, you know, for people to try and just go after that while the real thing is worked on, forces of nature still is kind of cheesy. Mm. You know, because they're using forces as plural, there's only one force. Yeah. There's a light side, there's a dark side, but it's still one force. So to say forces of nature, it's like, well, I can't, yeah, I don't know. But you never know. You know, they also say, you know, life creates it, makes it grow. So uh, who knows? And it, it also says in this article that another hint that we've seen that the Star, Star Wars could be getting a third modern animated series after the Clone Wars and Rebels came a few months ago when Dave Filoni, who's, who was the uh, supervising director on, on both of those series, on series or um, season three of Rebels is now the executive producer so instead of a supervising director he's an executive producer which means he's got something else in the pipeline yeah so yeah very interesting as much as i lamented disney getting lucasfilm it's pretty evident that all they're doing is saying hey you can do your own thing without george lucas now and and we'll just keep giving you money for it which I uh, yeah, there was there was a I lot of people argue. that are saying, "Oh, Disney's going to ruin this." But from what I've seen of Disney approaching Star Wars before they had their hands on it, I mean, we're talking about Star Wars weekends at the Disney parks. We're talking about um, Star Tours and everything that went around with that. And I thought, well, actually, since 1986, they've done some really good things with Star Wars at the Disney parks. Yeah. So I thought, if they get their hands on it, they're not going to want to ruin it. They don't want to ruin anything they they put their hands on, really. So we want to. This is what they probably think. We want to keep this going as long as we can. Yeah. We yeah, mentioned I'll, I'll before. give them credit. And the same thing with Marvel. They've been doing a great job with Marvel as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, really can't uh, 
fault them on that one. Yeah, just hand the movies over to people that are good at what they do, yep. and we'll give you the money. <laughs> yeah, that's basic, and it's working. <laughs> you can say what you want; it's working. I mean, I've, in fact, I just printed this off uh, about an hour before we started recording. That at this very moment, Rogue One has made six hundred and sixteen million dollars at the global box office. Oh, globally, wow. Yeah. Now, granted, I mean, most of that is here in the States, mm -hmm. but uh, still, it, it's $616 million globally. Granted, it doesn't come anywhere close to The Force Awakens, mm -hmm. but really, I, I, and I love the people that are criticizing that one, too. It's like, well, it's not making as much. Well, duh. It's You could take younger kids to see The Force Awakens. You might not be able to with this movie. Um, it's a lot darker. It's a lot grittier. It's a lot more violent. Mm -hmm. You know, it just they're different movies. You know, they, they, they pander to different types of Star Wars audiences. But still, that's nothing to, to sneer at. $616 million, It will probably have well over $800 million by the time it's finished. Mm -hmm. I, I think Gareth Edwards can sit back and say oh, I've done something really good here oh yeah absolutely um, he's got nothing to worry about and I think nope. he might even be directing another Star Wars film at some point <laughs> I don't that think... wouldn't surprise me <laughs> no he did a great job with it yeah I just hope that the other spin-off movies will be just as good yeah no, you know if, if only they could bring back the original trilogy <sighs> speaking of which I hate segues, but I mean, that one was just kind of there. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I do. I hate segues, but uh, that one just kind of fit. But, I mean, well, just because we were talking about Disney before and how they've been kind of like, hey, we're doing this without George Lucas now. And obviously the original trilogy is a huge point of contention there. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, supposedly, well, actually... Gareth Edwards himself has said that he has watched a 4K restoration of the original Star Wars. Now, the question is, is it truly the original? Because Lucas has said himself, you know, negatives were destroyed for the original one, so we couldn't recreate the original one if we tried, uh, which has pretty much been debunked in numerous places. Yeah, I, I don't believe that would have happened. No, well, not just that, but just look at Team Negative One and mm -hmm. and uh, the Despecialized Edition. It can be done, but supposedly this could be from the actual original theatrical version uh, because of a friend of mine on Twitter who follows me, you know, follows my other show. He said that um, chances are this is going to be the original because supposedly the special edition exists as a 2k remastered file so there's no special edition source to go back and do a 4k restoration from right. because the special edition exists purely on a computer hard drive basically yeah which makes sense so if they did some kind of 4k restoration chances are that's actually of the original theatrical version and so we've got the Team Negative 1 version out there, which is a straight 35mm scan of, of – where I forget what country he found, they found it in. It was some Eastern European country, I thought. Yeah. They found it on eBay and grabbed it. 
and then we've got the despecialized edition which is which gets its source material from a bunch of different places i remember reading an article from another guy who actually works for either lucasfilm or ilm he's been working on restoring an original print so since we now have gareth edwards saying yes i have seen this mm-hmm. and it looks wonderful and blah 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 they wouldn't be doing this unless they had plans on making their money back from it. And with next year being the 40th anniversary, I think we're actually really closer than ever to finally getting the original theatrical trilogy, if not on Blu-ray, at least maybe another theatrical run. I would like to see Rogue One with the original Star Wars back-to-back so that it looks like there's no cut in between. Yeah. That would be amazing on the big screen because I never got to see Star Wars on the big screen apart from the special edition. I remember my dad taking me to see it back in 77 when it was first released. Not that I remember anything specific from it, but I do know I did see it in the theater. I saw all, all of them in the theaters. I was four when the original came out. And I'm older than you. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it, Jim. And my dad decided that I was too young to see it, but I did get to see Superman the next year, and I can remember the queue being around the block to see Superman when that first came out. That was a great movie. That's still one of my favorites. So the first Star Wars movie I saw at the cinema was Empires, and there's a lot of people in the same predicament as me, and that's probably why it's a lot of people's favorite Star Wars film because it's the first one they actually got to see on the big screen. Could be, could be, but I mean, just the movie itself is so good. It is a really good film. That's always sticks out to me, because I had to wait for the UK national premiere of Star Wars on the TV before I actually got to see it, and that wasn't until, oh, boy, word. It was either late 82 or early 83 when it came out on TV in the UK and then I was ready to see Jedi because that came out in uh, when did that come out here June early June 83 I think it was yeah. about a month before in the States I think I think came out they used to all come out in May didn't they yeah that was, that's why a lot of people were upset when The Force Awakens was pushed forward to December because it's like well no but all, all the movies come out in May what are you doing but that's okay that's cool for me because I mean it means I, I get to see my friends and that just before Christmas and we all go and watch Star Wars so yep. works for me <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, whatever the reasoning is I don't care it's still a good movie <laughs> just remember folks there's only one correct order and it's 456123 <laughs> no it's, it's 4567 <laughs> Um. <laughs> <laughs> I was just because I didn't include it didn't mean I wasn't counting it in the list. It's just, you know, I, I've come to appreciate the prequels a little bit more. Uh, 
you know, I see what Lucas was trying to do. It's episode just that he one, still failed at it. Episode one was an introduction. I get that. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I knew that was going to be a seed story. Just like with Assassin's Creed, it's been getting hammered by the critics. It's not been doing well at the box office. Ubisoft has already said we're going to lose money on it. It's a seed story. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, it was. It's. It wasn't going to be super exciting. I knew that going in. Of course, Jar Jar was just freaking annoying, <laughs> but. Yeah, you know, it's. I knew what he was trying to do, so I didn't mind it as much. Yeah, Jake Lloyd was annoying as well, to be honest with you. But there you go. He was. He was. <laughs> but episode two, yeah, I thought that could have been a bit better. Episode three, I didn't mind. There was bits in it I didn't like. The actual tying up at the end, I liked all that. That was fantastic. Actually, going to see the Wookies in their own home world, yeah. that was fantastic. The, the one major, major, major continuity error there that I just cannot get over is suddenly you go into the original Star Wars and I don't seem to remember ever owning a droid. So either he was just lying his rear end off, and that's the assumption now, or Lucas just completely screwed up nah. and forgot that, yeah, he did own those two droids. He was lying because obviously he knows who Luke is because he's been looking at him from afar to make sure right. he's okay and everything. But he's like, uh, why has he got these droids? What is going on here? See, I still don't buy it because it would have been like, wait a minute, that's... R2 and 3PO. What are they doing here? I, just, I don't know. I, that's the one major continuity flaw in the third one that I just I just can't get past. Do you know one thing that I didn't know until recently and I'm like, why didn't I know this? You know when uh, Luke's been beaten up by the uh, sand people uh-huh. and uh, Obi-Wan comes along waving his arms about and he's making that weird noise as he comes right. along. That's a crate dragon. And I've heard about it, I've read about it, I've seen the bones of these things in the desert, and I didn't realise that the Obi-Wan was making the noise of one of these creatures to scare off the sand people. So that's the skeleton that C-3PO walks past? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> All but darned. It's like, you know, 40 years of, of watching a movie near enough, and it's like, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that until about uh, 30 seconds ago. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, because I, I will admit I'd always wondered, what is that shriek that's being made? Mm. Well, there you go. You learned something new. <laughs> I, I figured the skeleton that 3PO walked past was just there to, you know, be there, because you, you know, expect that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But now you know. Yeah. It's oh. mentioned in the books as well. And I think it might even be in one of the radio plays, which you've got huh. you've got to listen to those. If you can get hold of them, they are fantastic. Oh, I'm sure they're out there. They are absolutely brilliant. Public broadcast radio, where originally. There's some of the original cast. I think actually in, in Star Wars, it was just Mark Hamill and Anthony Daniels. The rest of them were other people. But we're used to that with the read-along story book adventures. I was things. just thinking that. <laughs> every, now, every now and then I'll think back to that and how bad the voice actors really were. Yeah, but you know the words straight off. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can probably recite the Empire Strikes Back to you from from it, and, and you know, I know, I know. Dark time for the brilliant. <laughs> After the loss of the Death Star, the evil Galactic Empire intensified its efforts across the Rebel Alliance. Um. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> Just stop! <laughs> 
Well, I used to listen to that so many times when I was a kid. Yeah, well, you know I've still got mine, so... I've actually I... found a website where you can actually download them from. There's an actual um, read-along adventure website. Oh, nice. Hopefully that's all licensed. <laughs> it looks kosher. They, they haven't got them all, but they've got a good number of them. Um, some of them are not very good recordings because uh, some of them have been taken off a of tape, so you're going to have a, a bit of hiss and stuff on there. Right. Uh, did you know there's a read-along storybook version of The Force Awakens? That doesn't surprise me. Um, I only found that out the other day because it's actually on YouTube. That one's... Wow. The Empire Strikes Back storybook and CD available on Amazon for four bucks. CD? CD. So they must have remade that again, unless it's a, it's exactly unless it's a remaster of the original recording. Yeah. Because there's two different versions of uh, Empires anyway. There's the one that we know of, and there's another one, which is read by Anthony Daniels. Yeah, there's The Force Awakens, six bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's ones that uh, there's one that's based on rebels. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me either because um, uh, that'd be easy to do those the ones based around cartoon characters anyway. Cause right, they're basically voiceover actors anyway. So uh, yeah, that's true. Easy to do. Clone Wars was actually a, a series that was created by the Cartoon Network, and Disney didn't want anything to do with it, obviously because they've got their own production company to do mm-hmm. animation and things. So that's why they in, uh, made Rebels. But some of the characters from the, the Cartoon Network series, series is coming over to, to Rebels, or has been. Everyone thought that you were going to lose these, these characters from the canon, and, and obviously they haven't. And the same again, as I say, because Grand Admiral Thrawn is in Rebels as right. well, um, making quite a name for himself. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, again, just because they said the extended universe is no longer canon doesn't mean that they can't use the characters. And they could just, you know, take the Thrawn trilogy back and say, yeah, we're making that canon again. You know, <laughs> they can do whatever they want. I mean, but they... it's not like all of a sudden, those aren't canon now, so we're never going to use those characters again. They, they never said that. I'd, I'd love them to make an animated version of the Shadows of the Empire. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. <laughs> I remember playing playing the crap out of the Nintendo 64 version. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. The, the book was good as well. I read the book. That was fantastic. It's endless where you can go with Star Wars, to be honest with you. You just think of a character, and there's so many obscure characters that started off as just tiny little bit parts and have grown into major characters. Like Boba Fett uh-huh. didn't particularly do much, apart from get eaten. Um, and gave it indigestion by the sound of it Dengar is another character that everyone was like yeah we want something to do with this guy that was a small character that all you got to see of Dengar really in Empires was when you had that parade of bounty hunters waiting to go out to get Han Solo guy dressed up in bandages basically and he I don't know if it was the same in, in the States but in the UK he was a character that you couldn't actually buy as a an action figure, but you could send off for him. You you could get the you know the the little tokens they had on the back of the of the sure. uh, packaging. If you sent off enough of those plus postage, 
you got a Dengar figure. Wow, those puppies are collectible now, then. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd hate to know how much they are, actually. It'd be... <laughs> Anything that you had to send off for is definitely collectible. Right, now i got to look to see if there's something out there. No, it's actually not what you might think. I'm on Amazon right now, and you can get it for 48 bucks. All right. For... Yeah. And this is, they're saying, vintage Dengar, so... I wonder if there would be a difference with the American version and the UK version, though, because uh, I'm not sure whether you could have bought the Dengar figure off the shelf in the States. I, I wouldn't have thought they would have done that just for the UK. I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, there are lots of collectibles that uh, you do need to look out for, and one of my favourites to look out for... Do you remember the, the Darth Vader head carry case for the figure? I had that. The gold one? I owned that thing. The gold one? No, no, okay, no, the black one. But it's, <laughs> it's the original. The gold one was created to see how well the gold paint travelled. Huh. So they painted a few in gold paint because obviously they were going to bring out C-3PO figures and stuff and they wanted to see how well it travelled so they painted a few in gold and there's not that many of them no so they are worth a fortune <laughs> I do look out for them when I'm out and about at uh, toy fairs and things like, oh yeah how much is that yeah okay then yeah good luck <laughs> but I did have a couple of Star Wars toys that I wish I looked after a bit more now I had a remote control R2-D2 when I was a kid. It was about about 12 inches tall, and the remote control looked like a lightsaber. How it moved was you press the button one way, and it turned its head, and then the body used to turn to match the direction that the head was traveling. So it was was difficult to steer, let's say. (laughs) Let's say that. Okay, I'm only finding one of those gold cases on eBay, and the seller's trying to sell it for $1,000. Well, no, just because that's what he's charging for doesn't mean that's what it's worth. That's all I'm seeing on that one. Yeah, there's not that many of them out there, and I I look for them everywhere. (laughs) Now, I remember I had the black one. I had the Hoth scene. I remember that one. Is that the one where you could hang Luke upside down from the thing, or was this the one with the ion cannon? And I don't think it even had that. I remember that you had a snow bridge that could collapse. Mm-hmm. I do remember that one. So I'm just remembering the stuff that my friend had, because uh, I mentioned to you before, my, my friend's dad was the owner of a toy store. Right. And he used to go to a lot of the toy fairs, and he used to go to the New York one a lot, and he always used to bring Star Wars stuff back. <laughs> Do you remember there was this little grey Imperial spacecraft? It wasn't one that was used in any of the movies. It had uh, wings that used to fold up, and you had to have a little switch on the back that made the wings just fold out, and it had a kind of big laser on the front of it. Tiny. No. One-seater. Almost looked like a shuttlecraft, but it was a smaller version of it. And there was also a... um, like a refueling thing that had like hoses that came off of it so you could stick it to the ships and you used to pull the lid off of it and it had tools and stuff inside that you could fix spacecraft with and things i had one of those as well these were don't remember that at all yeah these were weird <laughs> these were weird Oops. 
and it actually mentions in some of the things I've read that these weren't didn't actually feature in the movie, but they made them specially for the action figures. Uh, there's, there was quite a lot of that, to be honest. What was the other ones my friend had? He had one of the Star Destroyer play sets, the one that had the meditation chamber in it. Oh, yes, uh, I do remember that. That was a really nice playset, actually. It was quite a big one. There was a Death Star one as well that had the pillar that Obi-Wan was changing all the settings to release the uh, the Falcon from yeah mm-hmm. from that. Uh, it's got that in the middle of it. Really nice. So you've got the, um, the two areas where Skywalker was using his grappling hook to swing across. That's on it as well. So you can recreate that scene. <laughs> Huh. I quite like that idea. Uh, there was some really good stuff out there then. And this is another good thing that I've noticed in Rebels. Do you remember the the Imperial Transporter? It was like a wheeled transporter that had these buttons on the top and it used to play sounds of stormtroopers saying things like, there's one set for stunt and things like that on it. No, I don't remember that. You could put, um, I think it was six stormtroopers standing up on the outside and a pilot in the front and it was a classic Star Wars vehicle but it was never featured in the movies another one that wasn't featured in the movies but it is in Star Wars Rebels they brought it back for Star Wars Rebels so whoever's doing the designing for it thinks yeah I remember these toys that I had when I was a kid but we never saw them in any of the movies let's put them in the the cartoon one of my favourite stories from, from the merchandising of the Kenner stuff was um you know all the uh, ewok things from from jedi you had the ewok village you had the uh mm-hmm. the hang glider the catapult all that kind yep. of stuff. that all got recycled and used as toys for robin hood prince of thieves i did hear something about that yeah just change it around a little bit do a few mods to it but it is basically the same mold great way of making money twice really <laughs> yeah because i i didn't have a lot of the big vehicles i must admit i had more of the smaller stuff i didn't have an x-wing that didn't really bother me the one i wanted and didn't have i wanted a snow speeder i did have that one i loved those i actually get those i remember because i remember that the the laser turrets weren't like a solid beam they're kind of i want to say dithered yeah on the lighting yeah Yep, I did have that one. And it had the uh, torpedo cable on it, didn't it, as well? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted one of those. I wanted the Tauntaun as well, because you could sit there, because it had two slots in it. it one on the top, so it looked like you were um, <laughs> you were riding it, because it had kind of like That's legs. right. And under, underneath <laughs> it had a slot in the bottom, so you could stick Luke Skywalker in it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I didn't have that one. Um, I did have the Millennium Falcon, and I did have the Chicken Walker. You know the um... the ATST. Yeah, it's the one. The Chicken Walker. <laughs> did you not call them over there? I know. Oh, uh, we did. We called them Chicken Walkers. <laughs> oh, I mean, I understand why. Now that you say it, I understand why. But no, I've. <laughs> I've never heard it referred to that way before. Uh, it must be a British thing then, because <laughs> every, everyone over here called them chicken walkers. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> Maybe I did hear that and I just successfully blocked it. I don't... Because <laughs> I, I like the fact that you had the two buttons on the back, so one for the left foot, one for the right foot. 
which you just did with the thumb control to make right to make it move about. <laughs> but they were cool. <laughs> I had two of those actually. Um, I think that was it. For f- I, I had loads of figures. I just didn't have the the, the craft, but that didn't bother me because I had friends that did. So I used to take all my figures <laughs> round to their house because <laughs> I had friends that had the um, Atats and uh, and that kind of stuff and uh, lots of weird and wonderful things because they did um, the, the the miniatures as well, didn't they? The miniature uh, uh, play sets. Because I know there was an iron cannon for that, definitely. And there was the trash compactor one as well. That was cool. Because um, <laughs> you had all these little bits of foam rubber in the bottom. And you put the figures inside. And it once they got to a certain size, the side used to pop out. And all, all the figures used to f- fly out the side of the trash compactor. I remember something like that. Bright orange foam rubber in the, in the bottom of the... Uh, in the trash compactor. <laughs> yeah, vaguely. I vaguely remember that. So I did most of most of the stuff that I did was yeah, I had some of the old Kenner plastic stuff. Most of the stuff I did was plastic models. Mm, yeah, I, I built so many X-wings and Tie fighters and and not I mean jet aircraft and Star Trek and that was my thing, the plastic models. I had and I've forgotten the name of the ship. Uh, from the black hole. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Uh, d- 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 well, which one? The big one. The, the, oh, <laughs> I want to say Nostromo, but that's alien. Yeah. But you know what oh, I mean. Damn it! What's the name of that thing? Um. <laughs> sorry, I've got to look it up now. This is gonna kill me. Oh, okay. I'm looking. At, hold on. Yeah. The, the Palomino is the ship that found it. Yeah. Yeah. It was the Cygnus. The Cygnus. That's right. And uh, I also had a model of Maximilian as well. That thing was that was a freakazoid robot. Mm, that that was just spooky to a kid. The movie itself was cheese, but those um uh, kind of like blades that he had on the front. Oh yeah. The, the spinning round. I did have a plastic model of Vincent. I do I remember that. I used to love yeah Vincent and old Bob. Yeah. Old Bob. Yep. <laughs> they were cool. And that was th- that movie at least had that one iconic scene of the the meteor going down the trench. Oh, that that was cool. You used to be able to get this little projector thing. Uh, um, I don't know what it was called now. It was a bit like a Viewmaster, but it had cartridges that used to go in the back. Huh. And you can get it was only not the whole film; it was just different scenes. And there was a black hole one, and it just showed that bit again and again yeah. and again. But it was worth watching just for that because. That was quite a good special effects for them. Oh, that was amazing. That was really, really good. But, I mean, the movie itself was... Eh. It, it was a bit too... Cerebral, especially that ending. Yeah, that's it was a thinking man's film, really. Yeah, it's, it's like the, Disney trying to be Star Wars, but... Uh, yeah, like, a, like you said, a thinking adult Star Wars and just... Yeah, didn't really work. I remember the uh, first time I saw that on television wasn't until quite late and it was when I first got my first surround sound system. Oh wow. And 
watching that with surround sound was actually quite good because it did literally it, it made you feel like your room was spinning it was one of those kind of films yeah i thought this is a bit trippy <laughs> actually watching this uh but I, I i do like the black hole i there's something about it i like i've got it on dvd and I love the theme tune to it as well because the theme's done by John Barry, who's the guy who did all mm -hmm. the Jim, yep. James Bond film themes uh, and a lot of other decent themes as well, actually, because yep. he did the, the Ipcris Files. I think he did the, the theme tune to that as well. Oh, uh, Dances with Wolves, um, Crawl, which I don't care what anyone says, I still love that movie. Crawl's not a bad movie. It's not. I think it's underrated. It's better you than know, Dragon Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> You're not... You don't exactly have a high bar there, you know. <laughs> I've always enjoyed Krull, especially um, when I learned that uh, the guy who played the lead did all of his own stunts. Really? Ken, Ken Marshall. Wow. He did all of his own stunts. Wow. And then he showed up in Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. did. Yeah. And, and there's other films around that time which were beyond anything I mean you think of things like the Dark Crystal which was an yeah, awesome I was just film. thinking that I mean that was Jim Henson at his best oh yeah yeah I, I love all that stuff I mean I, to this day all I have to do to freak out my one niece who's you know she's an adult now and she's got three kids all I have to do to freak her out is come up behind her and go oh <laughs> the Skeksis don't freak her out but that does <laughs> I can go up there and say, trial by stone, and she'll repeat it with just as much fun. But you do that chant, and she freaks out. <laughs> I suppose it's fantasy, really, isn't it? Yeah. That kind of stuff. And it's all along the same lines of Labyrinth and... Oh, my God, I love Labyrinth. And uh, the original never-ending story, not any of the sequels. They were rubbish. Oh, the sequels were awful. The, the first one was just brilliant. In fact, my wife and I still do stuff like that. And for Christmas, you know, so just just last week, I got her. Uh, I pre-ordered it months ago, but it was it's a hardcover book all about the art behind Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, oh my, that movie is so good. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's David Bowie, awesome. Jim Henson, awesome. Mm. Both of them together, oh my god. Jim Henson was just a genius, absolute genius. The whole of the Creature Workshop is just, it, it, it's up there. I mean, the only thing close to it nowadays to, for doing those kind of special effects is probably um, the, uh, oh, what's the one that Peter Jackson uses? Uh, Weta? Weta. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They are. They are superb as well. Absolutely superb. Somebody was showing me one of the catalogues. You can buy a lot of the, uh, the Weta steampunk stuff. <laughs> and it was like, oh, yeah. Expensive, but really nice. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I would love to own a replica of the glaive from Crawl. That five blade. Yeah. The, oh, that would be so amazing. There are certain weapons that just look fantastic, and that is one of them. That's yeah. Um, they're, they're, Say they're, what you want about the movie. See that thing on your wall. People are going to be like, "Whoa, what's that?" You've got things like that. Then you've got things like Klingon weaponry, which is just absolutely superb to look at. Um, <clears throat> I've got a full-size batleth, and it, <laughs> it's actually made out of metal. Oh wow! The whole thing. Yep. And. Um, <laughs> Blades sword. That's another good one. I love that. 
uh, Wesley Snipes. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a superb. Especially if it's one that the uh, the protection thing actually works on it, where the bits come out the side. Uh, that would be uh, superb. <laughs> well, I've got, you know, granted they're replicas, but I've got all replicas of uh, the major Lord of the Rings swords. Mm-hmm. You can tell they're not the legit thing because they say made in Pakistan on the side. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I don't, but I, I don't, don't remember a place they... called Pakistan in Middle Earth. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't really think so. <laughs> but then I, I also know that the cost of all of those replicas would have cost me one of the genuine noble collection swords. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever, I'll deal with it. <laughs> Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialize in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast. Too. Visit us now, spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. So, John, it's great to have you on the show once again. Oh, it's been fun. I'm hoping within the next couple of weeks i can possibly get either jj or simon from field of force day and then we can play excerpts in from this year's field of force day because we haven't got around to doing that yet because there was some really interesting interviews that i got whilst i was there so hopefully fingers crossed i can bring that to you very soon thanks again everybody for uh, listening in and uh, we will talk to you again next year should, should we pull the cheesy see you next year joke you know? <laughs> <laughs> whatever I don't know toodles well that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal be sure to visit tgpnominal.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode just look for the relevant tab on the menu let us know what you think of the show send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com because your input is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the page that include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. Don't forget to rate and review us. You can find links on all our podcast pages. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.